Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Starts for me in Manhattan, Lenox Hill Hospital, Manhattan, New York, 1979. Yes, I just gave my age away, and that's okay. I'm good. I'm embracing it. Yes? Hello. And then I was raised by wonderful Christian parents in Brooklyn, New York, seven years. They were partners in life and ministry. They sent me to Christian school. They, they, and every seventh-day Sabbath, we'd, we would gather with the church to worship Jesus, you see? And so, so this type of environment has its blessing and privilege, Right? Because early in life, this type of Christian environment provided the, the ground, it provided the soil for me to be early exposed to Jesus and the truths of his word. Amen? Oh man, you guys are going to need to learn how to talk back to me. Is that all right? I mean, at least when I get up. You can guys just... Amen? Hallelujah. I know you guys do it sometimes, but come on. All right. We're having a dialogue, conversation. So... As I'm in this environment growing up and, and the privilege of having Christian uh, education in, in a church and school and so forth, the Lord, the Lord early exposed and, 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 and revealed himself to me in a way that I was already sensing his pursuit of me. And also in return now, I felt a drawing towards him. However, all that was going on at home, Malcolm, would all change when my family decided when I was seven years old to move to Florida, everything would forever change. Uh, we moved to Florida. My mom got a job down there. My father, however, decided to go back to New York to continue working. And this setup over time created an increasingly tense situation between my mom and my dad. Six years would go by where he would come periodically back to Florida to, and, and every time it was like, okay, this is it, this is it, and he would go back to New York. And this, this was all happening in a way in which my brother and myself would, would be able to sense the tension going on in my parents' marriage tangibly. We could feel it. And it created an environment, uh, I would say, that was a kind of a, an awkward uncertainty in our home as we were growing up in South Florida. And then you add to this now, the stuff that was going on at home, I start to go through puberty, amen. And, and, and all the raging hormones, amen. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm now starting to uh, feel the tug and the pull of the influence of the world. And, 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 I'm, and I'm also now trying to sort out my identity as I'm growing, I'm starting to also uh, pick up on a growing gap between Jesus and the traditions of the church. And, and, in, and through all of this, I'm now trying to figure out who am I and why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? 
And I knew that I would eventually, as many of us have experienced, would be confronted with the unavoidable decision and choice. Is this Jesus and the truths of his word and, and his church going to be mine, personally? And not just because I was raised in that environment. Well, the time came when I was age 12, and the Lord used his manservant, an evangelist, I was sitting with my mom and my brother in the evangelistic meeting, and um, I remember, I'll never forget the moment where I heard the call to give my life to Jesus, and I responded. My mom said, go right ahead, and I went, 12 years old, and said yes to Jesus. I'll never forget, they brought us into a room and set up all the stuff to prepare for baptism, right? And while I was sincere in giving my life over to Jesus, to give my life to him, I'll never forget that in that that early embryonic stage of my faith journey with Jesus, I'll never forget that, that my understanding was primarily doctrinal. My orientation towards last day events and the unfolding of prophecy was primarily fear based. That I was not practically discipled into what it actually looks like to actually have an abiding, vibrant, daily relationship with Jesus. You see, uh, what this set up for me was is that I is that I knew I knew what the right things were, and I understood the the right behaviors I was supposed to have. But I, but, but, but I hadn't yet, especially if I was going to be ready for the soon second coming of Jesus. However, what I did not have was a why. I did not have the, the why to drive my life in a way that was, listen, sustainable. And so, as I'm Going through all of this, as I'm reflecting on the children's story, the second one today, I'm, you know, I wish the story did happen where, 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 where Adam immediately, as presented by Satan and the medium he chose, I wish he did say no. I wish that was the story, that, 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 that he said no. And then he moves on. Right? No, and I wish that was I wish that was the legacy initially for Adam. even if he fell later. I wish he did just go, no, and then he moved, Satan moved on to Eve, and then they fell. I wish that was the story. Because all of us have been faced with the choice of Adam and Eve in our daily lives. And here's this. Watch this. When you don't have Jesus as the why, then what happens is, as as was beautifully brought out in the in the story. The devil presents to you otherwise to fill the void. Are you hearing this? When Jesus is not the why, then the enemy begins to present to you other whys for what you do and for how you live. And so what began to happen with me as I'm growing up in this situation at home and as I'm still trying to settle into and understand and discover what my why is, 
I also began to become uh, influenced by some people that were in my lives. I was starting to experiment with other wives, so I began to, yes, listen to things and, 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 and watch certain things that, that, that began to plant seeds of lust in my heart that later on in life would begin to, would begin to bear fruit and pop up from time to time. Because I hadn't yet, what, settled into my, my why. You see, you can have a religious experience and not really know your why. You can have the ceremony and still not yet know your, your why. And I want to tell you today that until you, until you come to the who, you will not discover your why. And I'm not going to fall back on that today. I am not going to do it. I think Dwight's going to come rescue me if I, if I look like I'm about to. You need to be able to get to the who if you're going to understand, experience, receive by faith your why. You see, you have a why. I eventually, by the grace of God, he's so patient, amen, the grace of God in my life, he began to, he began to move me at all. And I forgot to mention, let me come back to this. I forgot to mention that as I'm wrestling with these seeds that were planted in my life, I'm also in high school initially, and then later on in college, I'm, I'm also being shaped by a high school business program. So I'm beginning to develop an image and a identity of a successful black man who's going to have the three-piece suit, the nice fancy car, the white picket fence house. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The American dream. I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. That's going to be my life. So that begins to skew now what I think is my why. Are you hearing me? Now, I, now through all of this, I had never said, oh, I'm not going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to go to church. No, all of this was happening while I'm in church. Are you hearing me? And because of those seeds that were planted earlier on in my life, I began to, and now for those of you young adults, listen to me really carefully. I began because of those seeds. They bear fruit later on in life. You understand? And so, so, so when I started to now enter into dating relationships, there were a couple of those relationships. Now, I tell my wife, and I tell others when I, tell, when I talk about my wife, I, I always say that everything that came before my wife was, was just kind of like, you know, bubblegum. Uh, you know, it paled in comparison. Okay? But, 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 but some of these relationships before... I got married to Deidre because, because of those seeds that were planted, then, then what, 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 watch this. What happens is your understanding, your perception of what love is in dating relationships, even as a Christian, uh, is now tainted and perverted by lust. So you can't have an other-centered approach even to relationships. It's about you and your, your needs and desires. Are you hearing me? I'm just keeping it real today. Is that all right? And so, and so you can't have a healthy, uh, drama-free, uh, issue-free relationship with somebody, especially if you're trying to date, because you have not yet discovered your, your why. And so, and so now by the time I get to, to college, by the time I'm at a university in Miami, I'm thinking that I'm supposed to climb the corporate ladder 
And these seeds that were planted in my life, even outside of these couple dating relationships that I had, when I had an emotionally low point in my life, or a, a series of emotionally low points in my life, I would find myself periodically, though I could not afford it all the time, but periodically would find myself, I've shared this before, at strip clubs in Miami. Are you hearing me? Which, by the way, when you begin to understand and dig deep and understand the roots of that, it goes back to the divorce. I wish I had time to explain how that connects. And all this time, I'm still going to church. I'm still at Seventh-day Adventist Church with my family. I'm still, I'm still serving the Lord. I was the president of a campus ministry at the same university. With one hand over here, with Jesus in church, and the other hand over here with some other wives. And so the question here today is not, is not if you have a why. You have a why. The question is, have you, like I eventually discovered, thank God, because God allowed other people to come into my life, and he began to create experiences and circumstances that led me to the all-encompassing truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I began to slowly, it, it, it's, a, it's a growth in grace over time. I began to slowly settle into my why. But, but, but all of us have a why. Your why may be fear. That's why when I saw on Facebook today that someone posted, uh, several people posted, I'm beginning to wonder if something happened and people are kind of commenting. But, but people posted, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming soon. Now, some people see that, that statement. It was all in caps in social media. Some people are going to see that, and fear is going to be induced. You guys understand that? It's totally, like, freaking out. There have been people in our church that have needed therapy because of how that has been communicated to them. But other people, when they saw Jesus is coming soon, especially as they're considering the current situation in our world. They're saying, yes, Jesus, come quickly. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Hosanna. Because they've settled into their why. You have a why. It may be fear. It may be money. It may be control. It may be power. It may be sex. It, it, it may be uh, seeking the approval of others. But you have a why. It may be several varieties of, of addiction. But you do have a why that drives you, that pushes you. But the question is, is, is it sustainable? You see, all those things I just mentioned all have one thing in common, and that is one, that they are self-focused and they are unsustainable. They will, they, they will eventually cease to be an overall, compelling, overarching driving force in your life. They're going to come up short. They're going to diminish in the satisfaction that they promise. And, so, and so, so here's the question. Look, I've been asking it already so far in this message in several different ways, but I want to seriously ask you, I want you to be a little introspective this morning and think seriously about it. What is... The why behind what you do and how you live, and is it sustainable?
I hear motivational speakers all the time. They, they often present to us whys, but I even want to suggest to you that most of the self-help, most of the motivational speakers are not offering a sustainable, listen to my language today, a sustainable why. We're driven by something. You'll try and pursue the, the promotion by something that's driving you, but is it sustainable? Many people get the things that they're after because they had a different alternative why other than Jesus. And then when they get there, they're miserable. I've met them. Their life is not full of joy or peace. What's your why? This is what Paul is getting at today. I'm just setting you up. I hope you had time to get to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because this is what Paul is setting up for us here as we enter into the story here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in which he's writing to this Greek church in Corinth that he and his associates in ministry planted. And it's the first letter that he writes is that there, this church had all kind of issues, all kind of issues going on as a church full of drama and issues, which gives some of us hope, Amen. But, 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 but he writes to them, and then he hears the report that they have repented, and so now he's following it up with 2 Corinthians, with a second letter, because of their positive response. And, and though he's celebrating, and though he's, he's happy, he's grateful that their response was to turn back to Jesus and to repent, there's still a lingering problem there in that church. The lingering problem is, is that there were these, what he will sarcastically call super apostles. What? Super apostles that essentially were these uh, kind of fancy gifted, orate, gifted orators, uh, uh, self-made for hire apostles that came and crept into the church using these uh, so-called letters of commendation to say that they are authentically an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they came specifically with the intent to undermine the apostleship of Paul. To say, Paul really doesn't have the million-dollar jet to take him to his speaking engagements. Are you hearing me? Paul doesn't have the, the book deals that we have. Are you hearing me? Paul doesn't have the followers on social media like we have. You can't really, Paul? I mean, I know he did some things back in the day, but man, that's, that's like 2020. Are you hearing me? <laughs> and so, so, so Paul now is pushed into a situation where he now has to, has to, listen, this is the Apostle Paul. He now has to defend his apostolic ministry to people that he knows, to a church that he planted. And it doesn't just imply him, it implies his associates that work with him in ministry. And so Paul is letting them know as he's writing this now, you're down now in about verse 12 to 13. He's letting them know, look, we don't need letters of commendation like these so-called super apostles, right? Like we're not seeking the approval of people. That's not the why behind what we're doing. We're not here to please people. That's not why we do ministry. That's not the driving force. That's not a sustainable enough why. He says that, what, what, see, he says, I'm all in. We're all in for God. You want to know why we're all in for God? He says we're all in for God, loving God and, and loving others because of our why. And he now lets us know what the why is in verse number 14. Come with me now. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 14. Here's what he says. He says, listen, he says, for the what? The, the love of Christ. Listen, he says, but the, but the love, for the love of Christ compels us. Are you hearing this? The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one of us, that if, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then what? All did what? All died. Paul says, listen, essentially Paul says, you want to know what gets me up in the morning. You want to know what inspires me. You want to know what moves me. You want to know what our driving force is. You want to know the thing that causes us to even have to endure this silly debate over these super apostles. You want to know what, what, what's moving us. He says, it's the love of Christ. And see, when you know the love of Christ, you would have just said amen without me even having to say anything to you. Because when you get to that why, when you finally get there and you realize it's not milk, it's the thing that drives everything else. Paul says, it's compelling. That's my passion that gets me up. It's the overarching, consuming, driving force of everything that we do. It's not trying to please you and get a letter of commendation. We're happy to serve you. But listen, we do this for an audience of one. It's Christ. It's Christ. And it's Christ revealing his love to us in a particular way that compels Paul and his associates. See, family, listen. The love of God revealed in Christ and him crucified is compelling. And he says, listen, you, you want to know why that is our why? He says, because we judge thus. Which means we've evaluated this thing. We've, we've seriously considered this thing. We've pondered, we've stewed over this thing. We've poured over this thing and we've reached a conclusion. The love of God revealed in Christ is compelling. Because listen, the only, which is what he's suggesting, which is what he's not suggesting, which is what he's declaring, the only, listen, the only sustainable why for living is the love of Christ. I said what I said, the only sustainable, compelling why for life is the love of Christ. Why? Because his death was our death. His death was our death. Jesus did not just die for you. He died as you. See, let me say it this way. Jesus did not just die for all humanity, he died as all humanity, as the corporate representative of every human being. So that in a very real sense that when he died on the cross, receiving the full weight of our condemnation because of our sins past, present, and future, in a real sense because we are 
in Christ, we essentially died on that cross that day 2,000 years ago. The penalty for your hang-ups, your mistakes, your issues, has already, the penalty has already been paid. In Christ, if you believe, which is why I love, I think it was the Holy Spirit inspired that, my sister. If you believe that, if you believe that, then, then, then the truth of the matter is no further condemnation, wrath, or punishment, or judgment can be exacted from you, can actually fall on you from God because that has already happened. Are you hearing this? It happened 2,000 years ago. Done. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. And so now you live from that finished reality in Christ. Are you hearing this? Therefore, there's no human being. Lord God, have mercy. Family, hear this. There is no human being that will end up in hell, listen, merely because they stumbled into sin. Merely because they're broken by sin. Lord God, have mercy. The penalty for sin has been paid for already. God, the wrath of God on sin. Jesus willingly, in cooperation with his Father and the Spirit, took it. It's done. But watch this. People will, will not end up in heaven, will not end up on the new earth because they choose not to believe it. The works and the good, all that flows from belief. It's not arbitrary with God. He's saying to you, I've done it already. You don't have to experience hell. Jesus experienced it for you. Believe it. And keep believing it. You stumble, get back up. The Bible says a righteous person falls, what? Seven times. But what? What does the righteous person do? They get back up. Why do they have the courage? Why do they have the ability to get back up? Because they believe his death was my death. The penalty for what I did has been already paid for. Paul says it's the goodness of God, the kindness of God, other translations will say, that leads us to repentance, not the judgment and the lightning bolt of God. That's not sustainable. If you fear God in the sense that you're afraid of his condemnation constantly, especially as we're getting closer to the second coming of Jesus, what does the Bible say? 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 17 to 19, lets us know that perfect love casts out fear, particularly fear of the judgment. That love gives you confidence in the, God, in, in, in the judgment. Why? Because his death was your death. I'll never forget how patient and good God has been to me in leading me into this central gospel truth in Christ. And the people that he used to help settle me into this why. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget people, uh, uh, just regular people in the church and uh, family members and friends and and, and, and preachers, but uh, people like, I'm um, thinking of some people right now, Ty Gibson and Elizabeth Talbot, and I'm um, thinking of uh, Morris Vendon, many of you will know, and, and Myron Edmonds, and, and, and others. 
But there was this one particular preacher that I was, I was doing a seminar online, and, and he was presenting uh, this aspect of the gospel. And I'll never forget, he said something so simple, so practical, but yet so powerful, it changed my life. And I want to share it with you right now. He said, every day, if you want to experience practically what I'm sharing with you right now, he says, every day, not only do you need to see the cross everywhere in every book of the Bible, no matter what you're reading, the cross is present there in some way. It's emerging from the text. I've created a resource. So many of you know about this, life in Christ, okay, to help people do this practically. So you're seeing Christ. You're seeing the cross, the love of God revealed in Christ, coming out of the text every day. That means it's coming to your mind. It's before your mind every single day. You've considered, right, Paul said. You've, you're evaluating it. You're seeing how it connects to everything else that's there in the Bible. But then, watch this. This is what he said. Now, when you go in prayer... Every day of your life, go to the cross. And listen, after you've confessed whatever sin may come up in your heart, whatever thing in you that's not like Jesus, he says, listen, he says, after you've confessed it, you said, I don't want that. I'm turning from that. I'm turning to you, Jesus. He says, watch this. This is what you do. You claim the promise in Romans chapter, listen, chapter 6, verse 11. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. There, Paul is saying again to the church in Rome, he says, Reckon or, listen, consider yourselves dead to sin. Are you hearing that? Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, I really want to, I'm not going to survey anybody here, but I wonder how many of us really believe that. Many of us are still working towards this victory from sin. Are you hearing this? In our experience, are you hearing what I'm talking about? But, a, but in Christ, you already are free from sin. The penalty for your sin was paid for already. Paul says, consider your, this is how you need to think. Even if you should stumble, this is how you need to think. He says, consider yourself, reckon yourself dead to sin. Disavow that. I, this is not me. Are you hearing this? Consider yourselves dead to sin. Because this is the genius of the gospel. God credits you that which you are not now in Christ so that over time, growing in grace, that begins to be the reality produced in your life. Are you hearing that? Did you hear what I just said? You don't work for victory, you work from victory. You don't work for freedom, you work from freedom. Freedom, that's, this is what the sanctuary has been trying to tell you guys the whole time. That, that what was done in the courtyard, what was done in Christ, is a, is a reality that continues until the second coming. You daily embrace it. You daily affirm it. You're here in the Bible. That's why reading this book with Christ and the gospel as a central thing, central focus, is so critical. Because many of us are going through the motions, knowing what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do. We have no assurance of salvation. We are always wondering if we're okay with God when the whole time Jesus is like, look... I did what was necessary for you to be accepted to God. I did what was necessary for you to be declared right with God. I did what is necessary for you to have the position right now of justified before God by grace. What you did last week, this week, yesterday, this morning, God is not wanting you in prayer to somehow twist his arm to forgive you. The cross says, I already chose to forgive you. I died for that already. That's what leads my heart to come back to him in prayer and say, God, this is not me. 
You have given me a new identity in Christ. There is a reality that is for me right now that is real in Christ. I disavow, I, I turn from this, but here I thank you for the grace you've already given me. I thank you for the forgiveness you've already given me. It's yours now in Christ. You're basically reaffirming that which he's already dispensed and provided in Christ. What I'm encouraging you to do is go to the cross daily and claim that as your reality now. If you want to make it through these last days, if you want to make it through the pandemic, the Bible says, the Bible says, Romans 8.1, there is therefore not when Jesus comes. There is therefore not when you've gotten it right. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You know what it means to be in Christ Jesus? You believe that the thing you did on the cross is yours, a present reality that continues, and you stay with him in a daily relationship through prayer, reading the scripture with him as the central focus, and asking the spirit to dwell in your life. That's it. Simple. You're ready for Jesus to come. Everything flows from that. That's the why. That's what gets you up. But he has one last thing real quick. Uh, I know I'm a little over. I'm going to rush to the end here. Verse number 15. Here's what he says. He says, and he died for all that those who live should no longer what? That he died for all that those who live should no longer what? Live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. I just described to you the beauty, the astonishing wow of the gospel, the reality that is yours in Christ now. But Paul says there's more good news. There's more. You see, what happened was already a finished reality in Christ 2,000 years ago, and it has benefits that continues to this day for you now. That's why he's interceding in the heavenly sanctuary to apply those blessings from his blood to you now. Grace, forgiveness, peace, joy, yes. He says, but it doesn't stop there. Flowing from that is a reality that the Holy Spirit produces in you who believe. And here, watch this. When, when Jesus died for you, not just as you, before you. Uh, not just so you could just kind of have the slate wiped clean, but your biggest problem, why he died, your biggest problem is staring you in the face every single morning in the mirror. The biggest problem in your life is you getting out of his way. You're wanting to have control. You're wanting to figure it out yourself, even while claiming to follow him. Our problem is selfishness. That's the core. That's the root of the problem with sin. That's the root of the problem with human nature. And the cross, focusing on the cross daily, Paul is saying his death and his resurrection because Christ is alive. Amen? He lives. And so because he lives, we live. And we have the privilege of participating in his divine life of love through the Holy Spirit. And so what he's saying to you is, this experience in Christ, you believe what Jesus did for you at the cross, and now you're receiving his life daily through the Holy Spirit. Watch this. It shifts you from a, a, a living for yourself to a living for him. This is what the cross does. It's not cheap grace. True grace actually pushes you into holiness. True grace actually moves you to love your neighbor as yourself. True grace moves me into wanting to be like Jesus, though I know I can't do it by myself. I'm dependent on the Spirit. You see, this is the why. This is, and, and you want other people to experience this. That's what your career is about. 
Your career is not your why. Your career is the platform for you to experience, share, show your why to other people. That's why he gifts you with the skills that you have to put you in certain environments because there's people there. I don't care if they're Seventh-day Adventist Christian or not. The school, wherever you work, there are people, literally, you're assigned to connect with them. It's a setup from the Holy Spirit. And it's because if you settle into this why that I'm sharing with you today, that's going to ooze out of you into the lives of others. You see, where this living for Jesus moves you to is disciple-making. It looks like you building relationships with people in your spheres of influence and inviting them to do life with you in a small group. This is grow groups. And you may say, but Pastor Jesus is always talking about grow groups because it's foundational. And forget the term, it's just life in Christ with others. It's what this whole thing of following Jesus foundationally looks like. What's your why? I'm going to let the praise team to come up. What's your why? What's your why? I've been sharing all this today. What's your why? What's really driving you? I know we're all here today. I know we drove maybe through some snow, but why did you come? Why are you here? Are, is your experience, listen, family, is your experience a mere ritualistic, joyless, Christless religious experience? Or is it a, though you may be experiencing pain, though there may be difficulty going on in your life, there is an abiding peace, hope, joy, and love in your heart in spite of even some of your imperfections. Because why? You know that you're in Christ. You know that his death was your death. And you know that receiving the cross, going to the cross daily, having that central focus is actually producing the fruit in your life that you could not produce on your own. You have a why that transcends you and your own selfish desires. You see, yes, thank God I stopped going to the strip club. Hallelujah. I wish I would have got somebody that understands that that was victory. Hallelujah. You see, but, but that, that ex listen, that experiential victory was only a byproduct of me believing the victory I already have. And do you see that? We often want to put the cart before the horse. You are free in Jesus Christ. Believe it and then live free. It's like someone paying for you to take a trip to Hawaii. You didn't pay for that trip. You received it as a gift of grace. Thank you for the gift. I have the ticket. But see, but experientially, if you don't pack, experientially, if you don't get in your car and drive to the airport, you're not going to get on that plane and fly to your destination that was paid for you. Are you hearing that? You have the assurance, Lord God have mercy, hear this. You have the assurance that you're going to get on that plane and get to your destination, i.e. heaven, because you got a ticket. All the stuff that you do, like packing and driving quickly and get, hurry up and fussing with the kids and all that to get to the airport, is because you know you already have a what? A paid-for ticket. I just broke down to you salvation by grace through faith. Just receive it. Just receive it. We're going to sing right now. Somebody here needs to make a decision about what your why is. I'm going to be there at the end of the service, but somebody today needs to say to Jesus, look, Jesus, I'm realizing today that my why has not been fully you. And it's a journey. Some of us maybe are drawn to Christ. We're following him somewhat, but we haven't really surrendered. Why not do it today? Why not get real? I can't do this by myself. I'm making a mess of my life. I want Jesus to be my why. Jesus, CJ's up here getting all passionate and excited because of something that he's discovered. Well, it's not rocket science. Trust in Jesus. Invite him into your life. Walk with him. Let him grow you in grace from a place of assurance because you know you got 
the ticket. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.